Hello and welcome to the Ag PhD Field Day on Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We are so excited after taking a year off to have a field day again, Brian. It's awesome. Yep, it really is. So uh, we are broadcasting today from the Morton Center on the Ag PhD Field Day site. And uh, we are just super excited to have the field day. This is something that we've been doing here on our farm for over 20 years now. We put this on every year just to say thanks to everyone who listens to Ag PhD Radio and thanks to everybody who's watched Ag PhD TV over the years. Darren, it's hard to believe you've been doing the, the TV show for 23 and a half years now. Yeah, it's amazing. I started when we were five, and so <laughs> it's pretty soon I'll hit my 30th birthday. That'll be something, but uh, no, seriously, it's, uh, it's crazy how fast time goes. And one of the things that, that we learned early on from our dad was just to be lifelong learners and that's been one of the most fun things for me for farming for all these years already that we just keep learning. Every year is a little bit different. We've got to adjust. We've got a bunch of new things coming in, new products, new equipment, all those types of things. And the Ag PhD Field Day is a great spot to showcase a lot of the new things that are going on out there. And for us, there's even some new things that it's the first time for us seeing them here too. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, I think there are 11 different companies with world premiere uh, showcases here today at the field day. So it's, uh, it's really exciting for us that those companies wanted to launch their things at our field day. Uh, so during our radio show today, if you have any questions for us, uh, for our audience here, just raise your hand and we'll come around to you with the microphone and, uh, and answer your question. Uh, it's been kind of a challenging growing season. Just before the show, I was just explaining that uh, we have Brian not had a lot of rainfall. Brian was complaining <laughs> as we've got these nice green crops outside the Morton Center about how dry we've been. And you may think, huh, this is nothing. Uh, we, we've seen a lot worse than this, and, and we have too. But it's, it's kind of as you drive past some of the fields to get to the field, they said some of them are our fields. There are spots out in the field that certainly where the soil is a little bit lighter or in some cases, there have been some spider mite pressure and, and some other things that have been really tough for the crop this year. Well, the thing, too, is if you're from the southern United States, for example, and you have a lot more heat than we do, you go, what are you talking about? It's not that hot up here or anything. But for us, um, the last couple of days, it's been hot. Our heat index yesterday was 110 degrees. We're not really used to that. At our, our normal average high right at this time of year is 86 degrees, just what it's going to be today. So anyway, that's what we're, we're used to. And also, we have really heavy soils for the most part. So we're pretty lucky. We don't have to have rainfall every other day or anything like that. We can raise a good crop. Uh, back in 2012, that was our last drought year. Uh, we had, well, actually 2013, I guess, was too. But anyway, in 2012, we went almost three months with no rainfall. So it was the uh, early part of May all the way till the end of July. So no rain in there. And we still ended up with 56 bushel average soybeans. And the field at the field day site here, just on the back side of the parking lot, uh, we averaged 200 bushel corn. So it's possible with our soils. And if you do the right things for fertility and everything else. Uh, so anyway, uh, we, uh, we're, we're, we feel really blessed to be able to farm this ground. And by the way, uh, our great grandpa farmed just a mile straight north of where we're at here in the Morton Center today. Yeah, he was our, our first relative on this side of the family that came to the United States from Norway back in 1904. And yeah, we didn't make it very far away. In fact, we're still farming some of our great grandpa's ground, which is kind of cool. Now, one of the things, I guess, at the Ag PhD field that, that you'll see, there are a lot of, a lot of trials out in the, uh, the plots that we've got here. One of them that was interesting to me this year on a dry year, 
we think about the impact of planting population. And we did a lot of different planting populations out there with corn and with soybeans just to see what would happen. Now, some years when we get plentiful rainfall, well, a little higher population really pays off. Years like this, when we don't get as much rainfall as we'd like, well, we, we're kind of expecting that maybe something just slightly lower is going to pay. However, it seems like agriculture always has these extremes. So it's not, well, I normally plan 120,000 population for my soybeans, so how about 40,000? Will that be a better move? I don't know if 40 is necessarily going to be the right answer, but maybe tweaking it towards 110 or 100 might be a little better than having 170 out there this year. So we'll, we'll see some of those things on the site. Now we get questions all the time. Where are you going to publish the yield data from all of these trials? Many of these are just show plots to show some of the things that we're doing um, on a bigger in scale in elsewhere. Yeah, in replicated yep. studies elsewhere. Uh, some of these, this might be the only spot that we're doing it because we're just kind of thinking about a concept that we may research a little bit more later to to see if, if people are really interested in looking at that a little bit more. So, yeah, some of the trials out there, you're, you're able to, to dig up plants if you want to. Just talk to whoever's hosting those plots. Hey, can we dig up some plants and see what that looks like on the roots? Or can we count pods? Can we rip a plant apart? That kind of thing. In most cases, the answer is yes. So one of the things that our dad always would say is the difference between farmers who are successful and those who aren't is the size of their mistakes. And uh, we'll show you some of our mistakes today. And believe me, we make plenty, uh, but we try to do those on a small scale so we learn, so we don't have this uh, massive problem on our whole farm. But, uh, but anyway, we'll talk more about that as, as we go on here. We, we want to get to our first question here. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, just give us your first name and maybe the state you're from, please, and then go ahead. Del Delmer from Kansas. Yep. On your radio show, you talk a lot about tiling the fields yes do, do you tile these hillsides do they <laughs> do they need tiling <laughs> yep that's one of the most common questions we get and people come to our farm and they go well it doesn't look to me like you need tile at all you got all kinds of natural drainage so we don't pattern tile these fields but what we do is tile down in the low grounds and into the side hills and it was interesting when so our dad was originally from north central iowa where everything's pattern tiled and he just always told us um, hey, if you can afford it, you want to put in more tile because at some point you're going to go, yeah, I wish we would have done that. So anyway, Darren and I, of course, would always think we're smarter than dad. And we just put in tile in the low grounds. And then our, all of a sudden our low grounds were drier than the side hills. And he goes, yeah, see what I'm talking about? And so anyway, then we started putting more tile into the low grounds and putting it going kind of up into the hills just a little bit. But that's really all we need to do through a lot of these rolling hills. But man, does it pay. Uh, like in this field here, we had some areas that were only yielding 100, 150 bushel corn. And almost overnight when we tiled about 15 years ago, 200 bushel corn. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's really interesting. We've seen a big difference on our farm. We'll talk more about that and take more questions coming up right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures, heavy rains, or another weather event? 
Weeds don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last-minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire Herbicide from New Farm. Unlike other Phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm, here to help. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. AgPhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the AgPhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the AgPhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're at the Ag PhD Field Day site today, and we're taking questions from our audience. Brian, we were talking about drainage tile just before that break, and you know it's one of the things that that people hear about on the show a lot. I always kid you that, oh man, if we get Brian started talking about drainage, it's going to be the whole rest of the show. But it really has made an impact on our ground. Well, it's been tremendous, and if you want healthy soil. I mean, I will promise you, you're never going to have a healthy soil if you have poor drainage because what poor drainage is, it's really lack of air. So all the air, the pore spaces that are supposed to be filled by air are filled with water and that's not good. That means your soil life dies. The other thing about it is when we talk about just the environment and flooding and all these things that affect everybody else, tiling is one of the best things you can do if you do it right. So that's why we talk so much about it. All right, let's get our next question. If you wouldn't mind, again, just uh, give us your first name and state you're from. We'd appreciate it. I'm Monty from Central Kansas. Going to take a 180 here. So I was wondering, uh, have you tried on the Enlist soybeans? Have you tried Mix and Liberty and uh, the uh, 2,4-D and glyphosate together? And what do you think of that? Uh, okay, so when you ask us almost any question about have you tried, uh, the answer is usually <laughs> going to be yes. yes. <laughs> now, I would say this. There are so many trials uh, across the field day plots this year with variable rates of liberty, with combinations with, with uh, different products like Enlist or the, the new 2,4-D. And so you'll see different rates, different com combinations, also different spray nozzles and different water volumes just to see what are we getting? Because how are we getting good control in some fields? And honestly, this year, we didn't get control in some fields. And with Liberty this year, one of the things that we saw, 
And, and it was a pretty broad area across the Midwest that had a hot June that was very dry. The humidity, and you couldn't tell it by the last couple of days, but there was virtually no humidity. It was really low. And what we saw when we used really fine droplets is many of those droplets weren't even making it to the plant. They were evaporating before they even got there. So farmers running with lower water volumes and smaller droplets, which normally isn't a bad thing, especially on small weeds early in the season, they just weren't getting the control they were used to. So that was, that was some of the things that we were looking at here. In fact, there is a blackout tent on the far east end of the field day site where we're using some dye that, that you can see. So they'll black light it and see exactly what kind of coverage they got on all the plants. That played into it as well. But back to your question. I was going to say, wouldn't Darren make a great politician? He just talked for two minutes, and it was entertaining, but he never <laughs> answered your question. Well, I'm just saying, there's lots of stuff to see here that's going to be pretty close to what your question is. But in these trials, the glyphosate and the glufosinate were put in two different applications. Okay, so now I'll answer your question. So anyway, yes, we have done that. I don't see a big need to throw the glyphosate in there, but when we've done the combination of Liberty and 2,4-D, our people, and even Darren and me, we've described it as liquid fire. Uh, stuff burns down, and it's really phenomenal. Now, you, you're not going to like the price tag because you're talking 20 bucks if you go full rate of both, uh, especially with uh, the price increases that we've seen. But... I would say this, if you've got some weeds where you go, oh, I'm, I'm really questioning if I can get this with Liberty, I'm questioning if I can get it with 240, you put those two things together and it's pretty awesome. Uh, now, I, I would say too, as you can imagine, we're farmers, so what do we like trying? Cut rates of stuff. We're trying to figure out, all right, what, what rate does it really take for each thing? And what we have learned is I'd rather cut the rate of the 24 d than I would cut the rate of the Liberty, okay? So we would suggest you run full rate of Liberty and then do maybe a half rate of 2,4-D along with that if you want to try something. Now, as an agronomist, I can't tell you to do anything off-label. That's technically off-label, but there are a lot of people who are doing that with really, really good success. The other thing that I wanted to share with you, because we've talked to both BSF and Corteva, the makers of Liberty and uh, the new Enlist One, and said, can you guys please label a higher rate? Because the higher rate doesn't hurt the crop at all, but we would like to bump up above that 43 ounces of Liberty sometimes, because occasionally, uh, you know how it is, you get some bigger weeds and you got tougher conditions, and you're like, I'd just like to go a little higher rate. And especially with 2,4-D, here in South Dakota we have kochia, and I'm assuming you have some of that down in Kansas too, where you farm. Uh, kochia is not very responsive to one quart of Enlist One. I thought you were going to say kochia is not very responsive to herbicide, period. So, no. yes, you don't want to mess around with kochia. No, you need and to that's, kill it early. Right, but that's one of the reasons why a lot of guys have tried to stay dicamba here in our state as opposed to going 2,4-D. And so our agronomists have just asked me, Brian, do you think it's rate sensitive? And I go, it's absolutely rate sensitive. If I could use a double rate of the Enlist One, I know I'd kill that kochia, especially when it's small. Or the other thing is, if I throw Liberty in and uh, with some 2,4-D, I know I will kill the kochia. This year, there was the shortage of Liberty, so that's part of why we had the guys saying, well, I can't get the Liberty. I'd just like to bump my rate of 2,4-D so I can kill my kochia. I can't help you. I can't tell you to do something off-label. Now, I know there are a few people who did some stuff off-label, and it worked. I'll leave it, with, I'll leave it at that. All right. We All right. another question back here, Brian. We're, we don't want to get Brian in trouble. We better move on. Okay. Steve from Iowa. Um, a lot of people are, well, what happens when we have higher crop prices, we end up with higher input costs. Yep. Can you project a little bit for next year 
how seed, chemical, fertilizer, um, equipment, maybe, I don't know, whatever, but can you f forecast Absolutely. a little bit what the increases in cost will be? Sure. Oh, we, about, we love making wild cost, projections here. Cost so and sure. availability, Brian. I'll add to his question. <laughs> availability of some of these products. Okay. So first of all, people are worrying about availability. There's no issue with seed at all. Okay. Zero. Uh, on the chem side, I, I will tell you this. If you buy your stuff this fall or next winter, there's almost no issue other than glufosinate or Liberty. That one is going to be short. Uh, there's no possible chance that in the United States we're going to have enough Liberty or Glufosinate. So if your for dealer year. has Liberty or Glufosinate, take it home, put well, it in heated well, storage, and you'll be fine. Yes, but here's the thing: there are some people right now that are price gouging out there and charging exorbitant prices for Liberty and the generic. You do not need to pay those prices. The prices are going to be much better. Just wait this fall, and it'll be fine. But make sure you get it and take it, and then you'll be okay on the Liberty thing. On average, chemical prices are only going to go up 5 to 10%. But there are a few things that are up a lot from last year, like Roundup, for example. Roundup was at its all-time lowest price ever in the 50 years that it's been out last September. So we were advising farmers, buy it and maybe even buy five years' worth. So anybody that listened to that, um, they're in great shape because now the price is the net price because they had these huge rebates that they didn't even need to do. But now the net price is three times higher than it was last fall for, for glyphosate. Uh, and there was a little shortage this, this spring and this summer. Don't worry about it. This fall, this winter, everything's fine. No problem. Uh, seed is going to be up on uh, corn seed. You're probably looking at an average of 15 bucks a bag up. Um, on soybean seed, it's only going to be up based on what the market's up. So if you tell me what the Chicago Board of Trade price is going to be next month when all the seed companies set their price, I'll tell you what the price of soybeans will be. Uh, at the moment, it looks like it's going to be up 3 to $4 um, a, a unit. On fertilizer, that's the one you're not going to like because a lot of the stuff, unfortunately, is double the price that it was last fall. Well, and the challenge is, is some of the growers that we've talked to already this morning have said, I, I'm not even able to get a price on P&K in my area. And that's a little bit frustrating. So we, we do have some fertilizer suppliers here at the field day site. You can ask those specific questions with them too. What are the prices? What's availability looking like? And, and uh, if you don't have a price now, when will you have one? Now, you know the old saying, it's better to be lucky than good, right? Well, last fall, we had this enormously long fall here. It's probably the longest fall that we've ever had. And uh, we had been wanting to build up a lot of our fields to a certain level for P and K and zinc and all these different nutrients. And last fall, we looked at it and we said, man, these fertilizer prices are low. And we've got a dry fall, the dry, actually the driest fall in the history of our state. And we thought, you know what? Let's just get after it. And so our guys are spreading fertilizer all fall. And thank goodness we did that. So... Uh, last year, just to give you an idea, on our farm, we farmed 3,200 crop acres. We spent $300 an acre on fertilizer across the whole farm, the corn, soybeans, everything that we did. So that tells you how much of a build program we were on last year. And if we had to do the same thing today, it would be between five and 600 bucks. So we wouldn't do that. We would not do that. Well, no. I might vote yes. Darren might vote no. But. That's why we have two brothers here, because one has some common sense. The other one is like, hey, let's go for it. And yeah, we, if we have ounces to kind of are good, gallons are better. That's what Chad Anderson told me last night. All right. Well, we'll talk more about uh, some of those fertility topics and take more of your questions right after this. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, 
With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. When it comes to crop disease, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on crop disease with DuPont Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one for healthier corn, soybean, or wheat crop that can deliver higher yield potential and increased revenue per acre. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Ag PhD Field Day. Today we're super excited about that, and we've got guests from really all around the world that are at the field day. We're taking some questions from our audience here today, and uh, we'll get right back into the next question. Where are we yep. at? Uh, way way in the back. My name is Ross. I'm from Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, and we're getting water hemp something terrible in the last two years. What would yep. your suggestions on that? Uh, what crop? In corn and beans, I sprayed my beans three times with Enlist to get it uh, to, let's say, it's not even dead yet. It's just sitting there. Yep. Uh, let, me, let me give you two quick comments on that Enlist. First of all, we have seen the same thing before, and I was really worried about it the first year we sprayed Enlist, and I, and I went back out there, I don't know, two, three days later, and I'm like, I don't know if these weeds are going to die. 
And you know what? We kept watching them, and they just never went anywhere. Our beans went past them, and fortunately, the water hemp didn't go to seed. But to your point, I have not been super happy with the enlist performance, especially when water hemp gets a little bigger. But I also haven't been happy with Dicamba this year. I haven't been happy with Liberty. I haven't been happy with Roundup. Uh, there's almost nothing that I've been happy with. We have not seen the same level of control that we normally would out of some of these herbicides, in part because of the weather. Uh, also, I, I was just mentioning in the last segment here, the rate. I really would like it if we could bump the rate a little bit. And so in, anyway, I, I will just tell you, I've talked to the head people in Corteva about that, that look, at some point, we'd really, really, really appreciate if you could label a higher rate for us so we can bump that rate. Uh, but this is one of our themes at, at the field day today we're going to talk about a little bit. Because we haven't seen great control on water hemp post-emerge with just about any herbicide, we're really pushing pre-emerge herbicides more than anything. So in, in soybeans, and, and now right away when I, I, I'm going to tell you what I would do, and you're going you're gonna to probably say, oh my goodness, how much do you want me to spend? But let me get to that in just a second. So what I would do is I'd use three pre-emerge herbicides in soybeans. Uh, I would three use different a, modes of action. Three modes of action. I'd use a yellow, I'd use metribuzin, and I'd use one of the PPOs, either Valor or Authority. Now there are combinations that will have two or even three of those. So you, I would do that. Then early post, I would follow with a group 15, something like Warrant, along with a PPO, either Flexstar or Cadet. So like Anthem Max from FMC has those two uh, uh, fa chemical families, and so would uh, Warrant Ultra from Bayer. But anyway, after you do that, you've got four modes of action. You've got five products that all have residual, and... To my point about, you maybe think, oh my goodness, that's expensive. I'm only asking that you spend about 20 bucks. Okay, that's less than two bushels of soybeans. And believe me, I can tell you as a farmer who has had to deal with water hemp for 20 years, um, if water hemp gets bad at all, it's taken way more than two bushels off your yield. So that's what I do there. In corn, I would start with verdict probably, but you want to have also two modes of action pre-emerge that are going to work. Now, there are some other ones you could use, but I like verdict because then that allows me to save my HPPD for post. Verdict is a combination of outlook and sharpen. So that's a group 15 and a PPO. You use that pre. Then you follow post-emerge with an HPPD, uh, something like Callisto or any of those, along with a little bit of atrazine. If you want to throw in some dicamba, you can. But I think just about everybody found out this year, dicamba moves. And it's not just coming out of the soybeans. It's coming out of the corn, too. So a lot of people are trying to avoid the dicamba. Well, That's why I say the four modes of action before you even have to get to the dicamba and corn. Absolutely. And with the dicamba, if you spray it early and spray it on time, that helps a lot. There were yes. a lot of late applications yes. this year. That, that was a challenge. Yep. But the thing with water hemp, and you will see water hemp here at our field day site a lot. Uh, one plant can put on up to a million seeds. So it can spread fast. Uh, and by the way, for those of you from the south, water hemp is basically the same thing as palmer pigweed. They are both smooth pigweeds, and uh, they, they're, they can grow really fast. We tracked one here about 10 years ago at the field day site, uh, the week of the field day, and it grew over two inches per day the week of the field day. So it can grow fast. All right, uh, any other questions? Uh, yep. Uh, we got one right up front here. If, yep, we'll come so around we to make, the mic. We want to get Tom in shape here running that mic around. That's good. It's a good way to start the day out here is get a little jog in. It's not a bad thing at all. Thanks for the questions, by the way. Yeah, and if you could just give us your first name and state you're from, we'd appreciate it. 
I'm Anna out of Illinois, here in with my brother. We farm in central Illinois. And my question, since we're on the theme of water with tiling, yep. what are you seeing in the application of chemicals? Do we have a benefit to using RO water where we've cleaned up, cleaned out any of the extra minerals and things that would otherwise be there to interact with our fertility and weed control? Sure. Yeah, we get a lot of questions about water quality, especially when it comes to spray tank. And when, when we look at some of the solutions that we're using now are natural solutions with natural microbes, it makes a huge difference. There's no doubt about it. Like, for example, we're in the Morton Center today. We've got real water here. What's real water got in it? Chlorine. What's chlorine do to microbes? <laughs> it kills them. So we know for sure when we're using any of the natural products, even when we think about soybean inoculant, uh, some growers will say, well, I'm using this soybean inoculant. I'm using something else in my seed treatment. Well, what are you using for water? Uh, city water? <laughs> no, don't use city water. You're going to kill that. So, yeah, we do, we do have to do that. And, and on our farm, uh, we're using a couple different products. One is called BioPrep. Uh, it costs just a few cents per acre. And BioPrep takes the chlorine and turns it into chloride so you don't have any issues with killing bugs. And then the other thing we're doing is a product called Water Right. And Water Right just costs a few cents per acre. And that takes care of the hard water um, minerals like a calcium and an iron, those types yep, of things. Yep, magnesium, copper. Yep. So that's been good. Reverse osmosis works very well. Uh, you can certainly do that if you've got that set up. The challenge is when uh, you're spraying a lot of acres, and let's just say you're running Liberty and you're spraying 20 gallons of water and you're trying to get over hundreds of acres in a day, Boy, it's hard to get all that water through a reverse osmosis system. It'd have to be huge. So it, it can be done. Uh, it's just uh, a lot more affordable option for a smaller farmer, probably, where you don't have so many acres that you're going over. Now, I thought it was interesting you brought up the tile, too, because uh, we have a lift station just a couple miles kind of kitty corner from here to the west. And our, because we can get so much water out of there so fast, our guys will use that as spray water sometimes, and that's perfectly fine, too. That's uh, been filtered by the soil, and so by the time it gets down three feet in the ground and then we pump it out, um, it's actually uh, very, very clean. We find that drinking water quality, and we actually have real good performance out of that. One other thing that I will throw out real quick since we're in a really cold area of the country is the temperature of the water. The warmer the water is, the better products will mix together. So sometimes when we're out spraying pre-emerge herbicides, and we spray a lot of times in March and early April, I mean, it's 35 degrees outside, and, and uh, stuff doesn't mix very well. So we will usually fill our tanks in advance and then uh, give them the opportunity to warm up just a little bit. All right, I think we've got time for one more question uh, here before the break. Uh, yep, go ahead, sir. Hi, I'm Sean from South Dakota. I was just kind of curious to know, since you try a lot of different things, uh, drones are becoming a large part of a lot of different industries. Have you used drones or tested drones from anything from mapping to applications or anything like that, or do you plan to? Yes, we have done a lot of work with drones. Uh, I, I, several of our people that are in this room right now have crashed drones. So. <laughs> hey now, hey now, Brian, come on. Uh, that, he's trying to include me in that. Uh, that might have happened once, once. That's all, just once. And but. that was the only time we ever let him run the drone. <laughs> hey now, hey now. Okay, so you might actually see a few drones up in the air today, and 
Yeah, there there are drones for for ag use for spraying that you're going to see at the we, field day. We have yeah, we haven't done actual application with a drone yet. That's something that I, I'm interested in. And there, this is going on around the world too. Uh, I'm trying to think of it was uh, Brazil. I was talking to uh, an agronomist a couple of years ago even, and they were just starting to experiment with it. Um, in, in Brazil and the actual application. But you think about how many drones you'd have to have for application. Well, and uh, here, here's the thing, though, Brian. You're going to see autonomous vehicles here today, too. You're going to see things running in the field with no driver in them. And people are scared about that. They're nervous about that. Obviously, uh, it's done in a controlled environment right now. But it's something that's coming in agriculture. And when we think about drones, maybe we've got the same opportunity there where we've got drones that are going to do application they can just keep going and going and going yeah but for a lot of the mapping we can get that done with satellites and then it can be everywhere and super fast so what we're using drones for and a lot of our agronomists are using the drones uh, just for field scouting and looking at patterns and things like that wit together with farmers because boy you can see the pattern from overhead that's pretty awesome and it tells you right away what's happened so that's the biggest thing we've seen so far well, we've got a lot to talk about here at the Ag PhD Field Day. We'll be right back after this. In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. 
boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. In celebration of the Ag PhD Field Day, Farm Shop MFG is giving 10% off end zone fan controls and grain temp guard products. Sale ends midnight August 4th. To get your discount, visit farmshopmfg.com and use the coupon code AGPHD2021. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio at the Ag PhD Field Day. We're taking questions from the audience. Let's get back to another question here. Oh, and if you wouldn't mind, just give us your first name and the state you're from. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, so my name's Shane. I'm, I'm from Nebraska. And my question is actually on uh, herbicides on soybeans. Okay. Uh, we did the enlist system this year. We yep. did uh, enlist Liberty and Roundup and then yep. followed with a second pass to do our corn killer. And we actually flip-flopped that on one farm. Mm-hmm. and had a lot better kill of the corn yep. and then still good control of the broadleaves. Have you guys seen that? And, and yep. then on the Enlist Liberty and Roundup side, is it, I mean, is it worthwhile to put Roundup in the tank with the Liberty too? Okay, so two separate questions there. First of all, the reason why volunteer corn control was harder this year is because what happens as a defense mechanism in plants, when the weather is dry, they will develop a thick, thicker wax on the leaf. So what, what, what happens is out in plants, or out in fields, the plants will kick out moisture and they'll pull in moisture constantly. That's why it's so darn humid out in fields all the time. Okay, well, when it's dry, then think about it. They kick the moisture out, don't get the moisture back in. So that's part of why the leaves roll up. But then the other thing is they, they develop over time this thicker wax. And so when you've got that thick wax to deliver the herbicide into the plant, you need to use some crop oil or methylated seed oil or something like that to get it down, penetrate through, and get in and, and actually kill that weed. The other problem that we have is there is a tremendous amount of antagonism whenever you mix a volunteer corn herbicide with dicamba or with 2,4-D. So I don't care if we're talking the extend crops or enlist crops. Either way, there's a lot of antagonism. There isn't with Roundup. So I'm, I'm glad you said you put that with Roundup. But the thing is, when that volunteer corn got, got a little bit bigger, not this big, but it, when it got a little bigger on you, then it's always harder for you to get control. But then on top of that, this year, because it was so hot and dry, uh, we had a worse time because of the thick wax. So what we like doing is spraying our volunteer corn. A lot of times we'll spray it twice. It only costs a couple of bucks. So if we can get that volunteer corn when it's really little, then we do have better control. So I, I like that. In terms of killing the bigger broadleaves, um, if you can still get good coverage, it's fine. And if you start mixing, let's say, Liberty together with 2,4-D, you're going to kill every weed there is. I don't really care what the height is because you've got $20 invested. And I, care, I care what the height is because you're well, going to lose a lot of yield if yes. you let those weeds get big. Yes, but I'm just saying for control, you can still do well. But in terms of should I throw Roundup in with that, I don't see why you would throw Roundup together with Liberty. You can. It doesn't cost that or it didn't cost that much money. This year, I don't know if you've seen what's happened with pricing here in the last couple, three months, but uh, you know we're looking at, even just for a low rate, probably five, six bucks for glyphosate, and the high rate, you're probably talking $8. It's not as high as it was in 2008. By the way, uh, th- does anybody know where the Winter Olympics are going to be at in January? China. Do you remember what happened the last time they had an Olympics? 2008. What happened then? Glyphosate prices tripled. Okay, And the reason why is because they wanted to have what appeared to be cleaner air, and so they shut a lot of their plants down, their manufacturing plants down a couple months in advance of the Olympic Games. We believe the same thing is going to happen. So we were talking earlier today. Not, not that Roundup's going to triple in price. 
Just that we think there's going to be some plants that they shut down for a little while. And the price could go up just a little bit higher. So I'm just saying, you know, at least for 2022, we see higher chemical prices, especially with glyphosate. So, you know, thinking about, oh, I'm going to mix this and that and that. And, oh, it's all cheap. Well, it was cheap. Uh, glyphosate's not so, not so cheap right now. All right. The other thing I'd say on the volunteer corn is kill it early. Digging up volunteer corn this year, we saw a lot of corn rootworm larvae feeding on right. that volunteer corn. So kill it with your first pass through your soybean fields. You'll be happy you did with next year's corn. All right, we got another question in the back there. All right, again, just okay. raise your hand if yep. you've got a question. We'll get you. Yep. So anyway, yep, uh, we, uh, we've been doing this field day for over 20 years now, and we have people come from, as you've probably noticed, people coming from all over the country and really around the world. It's been a little tough for some of the travelers to get here. I actually ran into a couple of Canadian farmers this morning and they said they got to the, the border crossing, I think it was yesterday, and the, the border agent knew about us and about the field day and uh, he asked about the topics and stuff for today and the border guard said, well, I farm too and I'll let you go. I'm like, well, okay, apparently that's what you have to do to get into the United States now, is tell them you're coming to the Ag PhD field day. So I was like, well, that's pretty awesome. I don't know. I, I don't know <laughs> if I'd trust it. it. Just say you didn't get too close to Brian Hefty, and that'll probably be fine. You get right back across, no problem. No, it, it's been fun talking to folks from all over, but let's take another question here. Uh, my name's Kent from South Central Iowa. Uh, I was wondering if the drought has affected... Um, your fungicide choices if you're going to apply and then also with corn do you like airplane versus high boy great questions i will just say this in our geography here we're much drier all the time than iowa well, i shouldn't say all the time but normally we are much drier than iowa so we get probably uh 30 40 percent less rain than you do and that's part of the reason late season fungicides in corn don't pay here as often so the only years where we've had big payouts on late corn fungicides have been 2018 and 2019 when we got grand total 35 to 40 inches of total annual precip, similar to what they would in a lot of parts of Iowa. The other thing is we don't have gray leaf spot and northern corn leaf blight to the same degree that you might in south central Iowa. So for you, the answer is going to be a little different than it is for me. Like here on our farm, you know, I, we might do a little late fungicide on corn. I doubt it. Uh, we've for the most part, let things go this year because it's so dry. Here's where fungicides pay for us, though, the plant health side. When we think about reducing stress on the crop, we see noticeable differences. And a lot of times you hear plant health and you may think, what is that? Is that a marketing pitch? Is that you know, just a, a term that they put on stuff because the plants stay greener a little bit longer? No, there's actually some science to yeah, this. Yeah, there's, there's three things when you talk about the plant health, and that's the strobes, okay, the strobilurin uh, products. So like on our soybeans early, all we did was a strobe at a low rate. And normally we would do this big combination. If, if we had disease problems, we wouldn't do that because we'd be worried about resistance. Yep, and we did some of that on corn too. So yes, we cut back on the dollars because we thought, oh my gosh, it's 95 degrees every day in June. We have no humidity. There's no way we're going to have a bunch of disease. But we want the plant health benefits. What it is, it's lower temperature. It is uh, more, uh, or more antioxidants in the plant. And then... Uh, less ethylene production, and less ethylene production means the plant does not finish as early, and so it allows the plant a little more time to produce more yield. So those are the plant health benefits. On our soybeans, we actually are spraying next week, and we found a little bit of white mold, believe it or not, and it's all because the humidity here in the last three weeks has totally changed from what we had in June. 
So we've got lots of humidity now. Even uh, just a couple days ago, we had 70 or no, 67% humidity in the middle of the afternoon. And it's like, oh my gosh. And even uh, yesterday morning, it was 8 a.m. and we still had 96% humidity. It hasn't rained here in forever. We still have all this humidity. So in soybeans, we do see more benefit and more gain. We're going to run with some, uh, uh, some generic Topsin and some generic Domark. And uh, uh, then we actually have to spray for spider mites too. We sprayed for spider mites in all our beans back in June. We got to do it again. And we've never in the history of our farm had to spray for spider mites twice, but that's the change in what we've got this year for weather. So yeah, we're looking at uh, a, a few different things this year, definitely different insecticide because we need mite control and then fungicides. We've changed things up just a little bit because of the diseases that we are not worried about and we want a little more plant health. Yeah, and back looking at 2012, the differences we saw where we treated crop with fungicide were, were really good, even in a dry year like yep. that. So we did see that stress reduction. And that's the thing. I mean, there's, there's some good things about growing older, and there's some things that aren't as much fun. But one of the good things is if you keep track of those years of, hey, what did I do and what was the response, then when you run into those conditions again, you say, oh, you know what? This reminds me a lot of what, what we saw in, back in 2012. We had a lot of heat. We didn't have a lot of disease pressure, but we used a fungicide there, and where we did, it really helped our soybeans out. Thanks for the question. So as I, it was, as I was about to walk up on stage, uh, so right before this, Rob Sharkey had his Shark Farmer radio show, and the guy goes, that's going to be a tough act to follow. I'm like, hey, we're not, we're, not, we're not the jokesters up here, but we'll answer your agronomy questions for you all day long. So anyway, I mean, I can give Darren a hard time if you'd like to see hey, me uh, harass him We didn't him for finish a while. answering the question, oh, go, though, go between ahead. airplane, ground rig, uh, helicopter. We've used a helicopter. We've got a local yep. applicator with a helicopter. They can all work. I, I do like what's going on with the, the effort by the corn breeders to have shorter corn. Then we can get those high clearance sprayers through even better yeah. and later in the season. I think that's important. Yeah, a lot of it just comes down to cost. We like to apply things ourselves because we have less cost into it. But, yeah, when it does get late, then we just have to bring in a plane or a helicopter. And we've actually had pretty good luck pushing the stuff down into the crop and canopy. Coverage is key. And we can talk about that a little bit more as Ag PhD Radio continues. Stay tuned. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. 
Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. After that short commercial break, we're back taking questions from the audience. But I wanted to finish up. We were just talking about fungicide application with a ground rig versus airplane versus helicopter, and they can all work just fine. But the one thing I'd say, though, if you're doing this, no matter which application method you're doing, take a look at what your goals are and then see what your results are. For example, say you're running that high clearance sprayer and there's a beautiful one just right outside the window here in the Morton Center uh, that, that will do a nice job getting over your crop. But we get questions, how much water do I need? How much pressure do I need? Take a look. Just go out there with just water. Run through a little bit of crop and then see exactly how far down through the canopy it pushed. If you need to get coverage all the way down to the bottom because you have gray leaf spot that's working its way up, well, then you might have to use a little different pressure and water. If you're just trying to cover the top few leaves and get down to that ear leaf, well, that could be a different story for you. A lot of that ear or a lot of that yield in corn, for example, is determined from the ear leaf and up. So if that's what you're trying to protect, you can adjust what you're doing with water and pressure to get there. Same thing with the aerial guys. I see guys that run uh, with, with a lot more pressure and try to push stuff down through the canopy. And I see other spots where maybe they're just trying to fly and buzz across and just get the top few leaves. So there, there's a lot of difference there. Just check whichever of those methods you use. All right, let's get to our next question in the back there. I'm Doug from South Dakota. I've got a question on soybeans. I've seen some whole fields of soybeans where the, the leaves are kind of burned brown around the outside edge mainly of the beans, and then other whole fields while the leaves look fine. I'm curious what's going on. Well, it could be a number of different things this year. So what our dad always used to say is rain corrects your mistakes. And he came from Iowa originally where they get a lot more rainfall. And he just said, boy, in dry conditions, any little thing that's a problem all of a sudden becomes a big problem. For example, this year I've been out in a lot of fields and I've seen salt damage. 
I, we don't normally see that when we get regular rainfall, but that's one of the things that could have caused that. My assumption, though, and what you might be seeing could be potassium deficiency. Potassium goes in with water. We haven't had as much water. And a lot of our soils, and, and, and uh, let me just step back for a second. When I went to South Dakota State okay, University now hold on, hold on. Let, me, let me give you guys just a little bit of a warning. There's usually a couple of hot topics that w once this happens, I could take the headset off. I could go, I could do something else for an hour or two, come back, and Brian would still be talking about it. We've talked about drainage style earlier today. Fortunately, Brian was able to hold it back a little bit. He got done within 10 minutes. That was amazing. But now somebody opened up this potassium thing, and uh, this could be it, folks. It could be it for the field day right now. You could be done. You're just going to be stuck in your seat listening to Brian talk about potassium. I'm going to give you the, the rest. Of the I'm going to give you the abbreviated version. When I went to okay, college, please, they told please. us they told us that uh, there is enough potassium in the soil that as farmers in South Dakota, we didn't have to fertilize with K. That's absolutely dead wrong. Our potassium in the soil is in the form of a rock. It's not going to come available for us uh, in the degree that we need. And so we've been talking a lot about, hey, so what that you have 300 parts per million of potassium? You know what? You're in ratio with all the calcium and all the magnesium you have, you don't have enough. So we want to get our base saturation potassium levels at least up to 4%. And on our farm last fall, uh, we finally made some final applications to get up to 6 or 7%. And so we aren't seeing that where we've got lots of potassium in the soil. There's just so little water pushing that K in. Uh, potassium deficiencies around the outside edges of the leaves where you'll see some burning or yellowing, whether it's corn or soybeans or wheat or whatever crop, and it'll be in the lower leaves first. Um, also, we've seen more leaf burn out of fungicides, more leaf burn out of uh, We've seen more herbicides. cupping out of dicamba drift and those types all of things too, of and sometimes it's bad enough you'll see the edges go brown. Yep. So yeah, lots of, lots of things this year. When there's stress, you're going to see more of those things, no doubt. Yep. Let's take another question here. Well, Iowa. Uh, in our garden, we have a weed called purslane. Yep. And we don't let it go to seed ever and keep all the weeds out, but that yep. just keeps coming. It does because it can root back down. So if you chop it up, like, for example, say you mow it and you chop it all up and blow it all over, you're going to have so much purslane, it's crazy. If, so the best thing you could do with it, and I got this tip from somebody listening to Ag PhD Radio. They sent it. We talked about purslane one day, and then we get this email. Hey, I know how to get rid of your purslane for good. Eat it. I'm like, what? They said, yeah, it's actually really tasty. And I said, uh, I'm sorry. I hate it so much. I'm so angry at that weed. I can't ever eat it. I'm just going to round up it and be done. Yep, but so if you went through our food line there, that was one of the garnish. No, I no, 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 no. So how do you get rid of it? Get it out of there. It just keeps coming for years. It does. It's tough. But, Crop canopy is the best thing, but that's the challenge in a garden is if you've got open spot between rows around the edges, you kind of always see it. So people are using mulch. Uh, just try to, to put a little deeper mulch around. That's one thing you could do. Some are using plastic where you're putting uh, plastic around where you're not growing the plants. Uh, like you'll see a lot of times in shelter belts as they try and get those going. Uh, if you can spot spray Roundup through there, Roundup's highly effective. I like that a lot, but you're right. If you chop it up, you try and pull it, you can't get it all, and it just roots down. Now, your statement about we've been killing all the weeds for so many years and we still have weeds coming, I feel you're paying out in the crops too. You know, I, I don't feel like we've been letting any weeds go to seed, yet every year they keep coming back. I don't know. Weeds are just tough. That's just kind of the way Mother Nature works. So yeah, I wish there was some answer, but we don't, we don't have anything for permanent control other than just keep at it. I don't know what else to tell you. But if you could get that gene in your crops, 
uh, for the while. You can throw it out in the yard where you're driving. It still stays quite a while. It just don't go away. It just it, it grabs moisture like you can't believe. You know, it's yeah. funny Funny you bring up purslane on that. The, the weed that I've talked about with researchers has been kochia. You know, back in the 30s, I was told by my grandparents that uh, farmers just... Uh, they, they couldn't grow anything else, so at least they'd harvest up the kochia, and that was better than nothing. Uh, kochia seems to grow whether we have drought, salt, any problem. Kochia just seems to keep coming, and it seems to be resistant about everything, too. So I've told many researchers, hey, why don't you take whatever's in kochia that seems to survive everything, put that into our crops, then we'd have some amazing crops. All right, uh, we, we, we probably have time for one more question if anybody else has anything. Uh, I, again, I, I guess I just want to tell you thanks a lot for being here. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, this is, uh, as you can see, we got a, 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 quite a few acres all put together here, and we take about 100 acres to do this field day. Uh, we got a bunch of field demo area, uh, our parking lot area, and then obviously with our plots and, and all the things that we have going on in here. And for some of our people, they work on this just about year-round. Our planning for next year starts tomorrow at uh, 3 o'clock. We've got our post-field day meeting talking about, okay, what do we like? What can we do different for next year? Uh, we're, we're trying to give you the best experience possible when you come. And for many of you, you've come a long ways. Uh, we, we just want to make sure that uh, you walk away from today going, wow, that was a lot of fun. I learned quite a bit. And uh, I, I didn't even mind uh, listening to Brian and Darren talk yeah, unfortunately, somebody got him started about drainage and about <laughs> potassium again. But, but you know, it's things like that happen. The other thing that's fun for us is we get to meet so many people. We get to meet so many experts and talk to them. We like to bring a lot of those people here to the field day so you have great people to talk to. I mean, we got Patrick with RFD TV over here. We have so many people that watch us on RFD. Uh, we're, we're really happy to have Patrick here. He's the founder of RFD TV. Our banker, Gary's here, and Brian says we've got 100 acres of, of – uh, between the parking lot and the plots and everything that we got here, Gary's probably wondering, can we trim that down a little? Do you need quite so much parking? You know, can you get a little better return on your money if, if we didn't have so much parking space out there? Uh, but it, it, it is, in all seriousness, it's really fun, and we want to say thank you to everybody that's here, and thank you so much to our staff. Clearly, this is a lot more work than Brian and I could ever do, and you see just how many people it takes to, to have the radio show going and everything here, but to keep everything going out at this field day site, Lots of great people. We're really blessed. Yeah, it's, it's really been fun doing a lot of the research things that we get to do and having the opportunity to talk to farmers from all over the country and all over the world. So we, we get questions all the time about, hey, have you tried this? Have you thought about that? And you never know when some of those good ideas come. And so anyway, we, we really do appreciate having you here. And it's been a lot of fun, too, with all these big companies, because a lot of times when we're talking and working with these companies on their new products and their new things, we'll say, well, have you thought about this or that? And so fortunately, we get to have a little bit of impact uh, with some of the big companies that are out there. Now, granted, when, whenever I meet with any of those big companies, I'm always saying, your price is too high. Cut your price down. So that's usually when I get to talk to uh, the big companies. I'm trying to get them to be realistic on price. But by the same token, uh, crop prices are pretty good right now. And going into this next year, 
Uh, input costs are going to go up just a little bit. It's not going to be terrible, other than fertilizers, quite a bit. But we just have to keep trying to figure out how to get smarter on raising good crops, being efficient with our dollars, and that's really kind of the theme for just about everything we do. Oh, and by the way, at the same time, we want to leave the land in just as good a shape or preferably better shape for the next generation because, uh, yeah, our great-grandpa uh, farmed just a mile north here. And, you know, you, you just never know. All of a sudden, it's the next generation, the next one, the next one. We want to make sure we're doing everything we can so this thing is sustainable for the long term. Well, thank you so much for coming to the Ag PhD Field Day. We really appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who's listening at home. We really appreciate you as well. Tune in again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.